break them down in twos. <laughs> nah, we do. Baby, read. We just want our respect. Rob wants his respect. Coach Vogel wants his respect. Our organization wants their respect. Laker Nation wants their respect. And I want my damn respect, too. Hey everyone, welcome to an edition of the Wall Street Journal podcast. This is probably the one of the most excited I've ever been to do a pod. Uh, just an incredible weekend on Sunday, uh, seeing the Lakers win after 10 years, 17 championship. I don't care about any of the Boston Celtics fans out there who are saying it's only at the 12th championship and they don't credit the titles won in Minneapolis. At the end of the day, it's still the same franchise. And any Celtics fan who says that, just want to let you know you won most of your titles when there's only eight teams in the league. So I'm not going to take any of that. Uh, but just an incredible, incredible championship run with everything that went on this season for, for the Lakers franchise. Starting with that trip to China last October, then there's the unfortunate passing of Kobe in January, which is just such a sad day. And then just when they were picking up steam, the pandemic happened. Then they had to have a stoppage and then go into the bubble, which was an incredible experience um, and a really tough experience, as most people have said. And then from there, in the bubble, not to be able to see your family for three months and then just every day a grind and one of the more resilient teams I've ever been a fan of. And it was just so incredible to see. Uh, and, you know, it. It, it, it was it's hard to put into words right now it's still sinking in i think i needed three days to just kind of gather everything but i got a special guest with me today uh rohit is on the line with me and up, it's guys? just been <laughs> and i know rohit you and me have been texting all year uh literally all mm-hmm. year because this season started last october <laughs> and you know we've just <laughs> been going back and forth about like all the flaws that we see in this team and i know our friends would just get annoyed but every time we would say <laughs> point out the flaws with this team but i think that's just like being fans and uh we just never wanted to get too excited but man the emotions really came out on sunday how are you feeling dude dude yeah i'm i'm so i feel like it's a combination of excitement i think it's a lot of relief too i mean i think um i think it's just like it's been such a long year i think relief from the standpoint of like we got to play the season out uh i mean obviously we got the result we wanted as a lebron fan he, you know he got he got it done in, uh, in this franchise as well finals mvp again um and just kind of like the, the culmination of like you know a, a long year like a lot of hard work and then the combination of ad and lebron in year one re- resulting in a title even given all the circumstances against all odds it's just it's been a it's been a hell of a ride and i'm just i'm so so happy they got it done and i mean it's it's still for me as well it's just still soaking in and i feel like um it's been a combination of like relief excitement and i still feel like i haven't really completely processed it yet but it's it's awesome yeah same here i mean every day i wake up and i think man my team is really the the, the world champions uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> as corny as that sounds but it's just such a great feeling uh you know and people uh, uh, when other people will be like oh my god like, like 10 years is not that long but mm-hmm. i think when you're a lakers fan you know 10 years is a long time especially when you haven't made the playoffs since 2013 mm-hmm. so it's not just a, a championship drought there's a huge playoff drought 
Dude, it's, and, it's not. It's know, not only. It's not only like the the, the like a championship drought. It's like um, the the level of like excellence the Lakers stand like Lakers uh, franchise is used to. And I think I remember seeing a stat or something that you guys have like the same record as the Knicks or something. Like I mean, the Lakers have had the same record as the Knicks for the last like um, like ten years or something. So that's like yeah, no, we, of- we had the worst winning. We had the worst winning percentage um, since COVID in, or since the 2013 end of the 2013 season. So had the worst not- winning percentage. To- <laughs> so it's not only been like yeah, it's not only been like ten years of just like you know at least if you're ten years and it's a contender and you miss out it's like a different thing but like when you've like had a play long playoff drought had a lot of losing seasons I mean especially when you were kind of uh, like top of the heap before it it kind of takes a toll and I mean I'm really happy for you that you got got this done and I mean I'm glad that my guy LeBron was able to join the franchise in like <laughs> a year two right the ship so I mean he promised he would and he stayed true to his word. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of what I want to talk about. So I think, you know, we come from different perspectives where I'm the Lakers fan mm-hmm. who adopted LeBron. And I, I was never one of those people who said, oh, my God, is, Le- LeBron gonna, is LeBron coming to the Lakers actually a bad thing? Like, that was one of the most dumb takes I've ever heard. Um, anytime you can get the best player ever to on your team, you do it. You don't, there's never, I mean, pe- I, even if he was in year 16, like coming here, like it didn't matter. Like, Le- it's LeBron. Um, the guy takes care of his body like no other. And I, all, I, I didn't have a doubt that he was going to be a good thing for this franchise. And all those people with those takes such as, oh, the Lakers should trade LeBron last year, so dumb once again. I mean, mm-hmm. he was hurt, the first major injury of his career. And mm-hmm. I think he looked mortal for the first time. And not just be, not because his level of play came down, it was because he got hurt. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I wanted to ask you was, how does this title feel for you, you know, at, at, compared to LeBron's previous three? Like, wh- where does this rank? And like, how do you feel about this one? Yeah, no, I'm this one. I mean, I I would say like this one. I feel like had one of the. I'd say all of his titles were in doubt, and, and I mean, I think like they're all never guaranteed. Maybe the maybe you could say the second time when he won with the Heat, but that was a hell of a title run with the Spurs, and ne- needed to go two out of his three previous rings. He needed to go seven. Uh, the first title against the Thunder, I mean, that was his first one, so there was a lot of doubt there. This one had a lot of uncertainty from a standpoint of, I mean, um, let's like yeah, go all the way back to last year and kind of especially coming back from the injury. I mean, as, even as like a diehard LeBron fan, I mean, the run he's doing, the run he's been having in sports and with his body is kind of unprecedented like I, I wouldn't say that I thought he was washed or anything but I'm like how much more does he have in the tank to kind of carry them as the lead guy and be the LeBron that we all know and I had some doubts of like is does he have enough in the tank to make a full postseason run and there's like a full postseason with all the competition and all the competition in the west and I mean there was a level of doubt even for me I mean I wouldn't say that I was 100% certain they'd win the ring this year and get it done and I, I don't think it felt inevitable at all I think we had a great shot at it but I think it was kind of there was a lot of doubt with it and then kind of the the other then there's a lot of other uncertainty not even from like his standpoint obviously with just the way this year has gone I mean the meant from the mental aspect of the team having to bounce back from Kobe, losing Kobe and Gianna um, and then kind of the then the then the mental aspect of COVID-19 a four month uh, four month layoff and then coming back and trying to re- uh, replicate that championship intensity all that stuff like put a it is one of the harder championship runs I mean I'd say I mean uh, as, as much as like like the LeBron naysayers I mean I don't think in terms of the competition in front of them in front of him yes we didn't have to play the Clippers who are kind of designed to like w- with pieces to beat us and yes we didn't have to play but it, out of the you east mean, they I, were designed I, to choke you mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> they, they, yeah, they built they were built to play us but they were more 
like designed to choke. <laughs> and then, um, then out of the East, honestly, I think the argument that the East, like, sure, the Heat were a five seed, but I mean, looking at if you watch the Heat all playoffs long and you watch them in the finals, like that team was the best team in the East, and there's no question about it. There was, I mean, they they did get a little bit injured uh, this round, and that's unfortunate. But every title run has those aspects. But overall, this title run is one of the hardest, just given the length of the season, that the fact that the season started last October and ended this October, and uh, had a four month layover, had all the challenges that they had to overcome, and it's like, yeah, this this is right up there with all of them. I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd put this or the the Cleveland run higher, but I mean, every single one of LeBron's championship runs have never been easy. They've all had their own challenges. I mean, one had to one had to take down like like a big three, uh, like an OKC big three before it started and get over the hump of the first string. Second one had to beat a dynastic Spurs team. Third one had to beat like a legendary dynastic Warriors team. And this one had the most unprecedented circumstances. And this was in year, year 17. So I think they're all challenging in their own right. And this one, I would rank it right up there with the Cleveland the Cleveland run in terms of like its importance for LeBron's legacy and how challenging it was. Yeah, I mean, the best I think what this run was for LeBron, I thought was I mean, they were, the Lakers were 16 and 5, really close to going to 16 and 4, just doing a gentleman sweep of the whole um, Western Conference and then in the finals they almost had it. But I so they basically lost one game in each of the first three rounds, two games. So sixteen and five. That's been LeBron's most dominant playoff run. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other times he had to go at least seven, or he had seven losses. Um, so the least number of losses was this time. And you know, all let, let's be honest, all those people who say like this time LeBron had it easy, they were not saying that at the beginning of each <laughs> round. No, we all know all those people who 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 were saying the Blazers are the most dangerous eight seed ever. And obviously, you had your boy Pat Beverly. The, all those Clippers, they, they wanted to purposely lose to the Blazers because they thought that the Blazers can beat the Lakers. Um, you know, hey, hey, listen. I mean, obviously, now we're talking all this because we won. But hey, we're gonna use take this time to talk because our team won. <laughs> uh, exactly. And we all know all those people that after the Lakers lost Game One to the Rockets, it was like, oh man, Harden and Russ. Mm-hmm. Laker, who are the Lakers guards? They can't stop them. Mm-hmm. Just won the next floor, like completely dominant. And then there was actually people who thought like AD couldn't match up with Jokic and they were like, who's going to guard Jamal Murray? Mm -hmm. And then that was like questions people were asking. And then in the finals, like same same thing. I I know there's a lot of people who actually picked the heat um, that they, that I will admit, you know, the injuries of Dragic and Bam definitely Mm -hmm. hurt. That's two of your starting five. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's be honest, man. LeBron, like, he's always had the short end of the stick with luck with injuries. Like when he lost Kyrie and Love, I think Cap should have won that in 2015 if he had those two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's just how it breaks, you know? He exactly. had the short end of injuries, like, his whole career, and it was, he just got the better end of it this time. There's never, there's like, I don't think that there's very few finals in like recent memory that, like, both, t- there's not been some circumstance where, like, both teams have been perfectly healthy. I feel like that's very rarely happened. I feel like, you know, either like it's been like an, completely overmatched like warrior like overmatched Cavs team against like a Warriors team with Kevin Durant that's been a, a couple of finals last year Toronto you know like uh, Kawhi got a break with I mean the Warriors were pretty much they're they're all pretty beat up after all their finals runs um so that was and then I mean obviously KD went down Clay went down and then you know like it, th- th- so that, that last year's had that piece of it and it was like you know you, you need a little bit of luck a little bit of skill and um I mean this team was the number one like without for all the doubt and all the like 
stuff being said about him getting and now getting his him getting his damn respect um you know it's, <laughs> it's been it's like he was he, for all for every single time in his career basically it's been like oh you you can't do this you can't do that now the the narrative going into this this year was you know i mean for him coming to the lakers was you can't win in the west you can't get it done in the west and you know you he's shown that I mean, he, he clearly showed he led them to the number one seed in the West. Even when he was healthy last year before he went down, he had them had them in playoff position even the previous year before he went down, even without AD. And this year, you know, with with a adequate supporting cast and with a, like a, a secondary superstar like AD, a true superstar, um, you know, he shows that he can take any team to a championship wherever he goes. He he kind of brings a championship culture with him, and he's the East or West. LeBron is the best, you know. <laughs> 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 oh man, I know you've been wanting to use that all day. <laughs> but remember when people said uh, LeBron came to LA to make movies? <laughs> dude, yeah. This, this, and, and let's not forget your boy Skip Bayless, who dude, kept saying he was chasing the ghost dude, of let, Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> dude, let's talk about the dude, <laughs> dude. Let's talk about the amount of disrespect. Yeah, we've been me and me and you were, like on the text the last couple days. I've just been sharing all these posts, like screen grabs of like different things at different times in the season where you could just see the amount of disrespect i mean i think the ones we were just discussing were just like dude not a single like in a poll by espn not a single western conference executive had voted the uh the lakers to even win the win the west um you know an mvp voting lebron feel like he got felt like he got slighted and it's like nobody i feel like out of it's been there's been the amount of like disrespect and hate towards this team from the rest of the league i mean there's a level of lebron fatigue obviously because lebron has been dominating for so long and obviously the rest of the league is envious of the lakers and their championship culture and i think when the leagues like around the league the least league's least favorite player joins like the league's league most hated franchise there's going to be a level <laughs> of this but i mean that's what makes it that much more satisfying <laughs> Yeah, I think it was like we always talk about how this is the ultimate combination of for haters to form between the Lakers and LeBron. You just had like two different armies coming together, like all the Laker haters mm-hmm. and then all the LeBron haters, mm-hmm. and they literally came together for this. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was just incredible that people thought that, or not. It's not even about the fact that no one picked the Lakers, mm-hmm. but honestly, like the Jazz got a vote and the <laughs> Lakers didn't. <laughs> and then, like, and then, come and then on. oh, and then the other one, the one where it's like the league's best player, and it was like Harden was in there, but LeBron wasn't as like the number. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. What has Harden done in his career that he earned that vote over LeBron? I mean, it it was just like an incredible amount Every, of disrespect. Everybody was ready to. And I think that brought everybody's ready to anoint the Clippers. I mean, it was like all all of last off season. I mean, it was all about Kawhi watch that like you know that that like that, that was a week week of the off off season. I mean, it was like one of the most. Like I mean, if you remember how it was last offseason, one of the most like anticipated offseason. Obviously, we were like everybody's on edge on where's Kawhi going and stuff. And after he went there, I just I mean, you, you just remember the video of like you know Pat Bev and the guys like don't talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, <laughs> and then Lou, your boy your boy Lemon Pepper Lou being like prices just went up, and I'm pretty sure they did it. <laughs> no, they didn't. They didn't go up. And then Lemon Pepper Lou ended up at the strip club before the bubble. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, um, yeah. The, I mean, the, I think one thing we were both happy about right now is that good thing playoff Pete didn't pick, uh, pick the Lakers that year. <laughs> Dude, it was like I think like another side note that we're going off on the Clippers now. It's like I think the championship, jo- like the joy of winning a championship, is one thing, but I think like 
a close second was the Clippers getting eliminated by the Nuggets. I think <laughs> me and you were just on cloud nine that week when the Clippers blew it, and, like blowing a three-one lead in the way they did. The, like the Paul Paul George uh, off the side of the backboard shot and this like that just that collapse. <laughs> it was just like after all the talk and the way everyone had just been, you know, yeah, I live in LA and like you you visited LA this year. You got to see all the billboards of you know uh, LA our way. LeBron, I mean Kawhi claiming that this is his city and all this stuff, and it was just so pre so <laughs> premature. Let's not forget we we. Op- we, I remember all of them. We over me, driven over given, <laughs> and streetlights over spotlights. I don't think any of them really made sense. And I'm just glad Balmer, hoping he finally realizes like that it's never going to be his city, no matter how much money he puts in. No, I think we. So, I think the Clippers stuff is like yeah, sh- shut down forever. And if I think if they if they don't get if they don't make a if they don't win the title like in the next year or two, like I think that that's going to disband. I think they they are they. I mean, I'll say it on this pod right now. It's a way too early take, but I mean, I, I, since they were way too early on their things, the Clippers have the most pressure to win win the championship next year. And if they don't, I mean, I see that team completely. I mean, I think there's already going to be roster changes, but I think if they don't get it done next year, just like LeBron's Heat when he first went there, like the amount of pressure to win his second year. If if, if the if Kawhi and PG don't get it done next year, that, that franchise that uh that di- that potential dynasty is done. <laughs> yeah, and as Dane said, we all know playoff people. He's someone who runs from the grind, so <laughs> if they don't, <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah. I think the other thing that I, re- I, you know, I really wanted to talk to you about was like someone, as someone you followed throughout Braun throughout his career, mm-hmm. right? And he's he said like a lot. Of, he's had a lot of bad teammates. Mm-hmm. He's also had a lot of good teammates. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and AD is definitely special. Mm-hmm. Um, and from me watching AD, like I never watched him much in New Orleans. You always hear about AD because mm-hmm. you know he's a he's a great player. But when he's on New Orleans, obviously he's not playing on national TV much. But man, I I gained so much appreciation for what AD is as a player. Um, and I'm I think he found the perfect partner in Bron, like someone who can be an older brother to him. AD's willing to accept that teaching from Bron, unlike someone like Kyrie who's kind of resistant to it. Uh, like we already seen like how Braun apparently hooked up AD with like his nutritionist mm-hmm. and like all his like preventative measures to stay healthy and it, it really worked for AD this year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what I wanted to ask you was, and let's take KCP out of it because I know you think he's the best teammate Braun's ever <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, we'll take KCP out of this conversation, but is AD the best teammate? Bronze ever had? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's pretty safe to say that it is. I mean, watching watching him all year. So I mean, I think it comes down to I mean three main guys. I mean, you could there's like a, there, I mean every every Bron championship team you could say there's, there's a couple of guys that are like you know like supporting cast. It's a big three each time. So I can I can kind of go through it in, in like in order. So I mean, on the Heat it was uh, Bosch and Wade. Uh, Wade. Wade, as, as much as, like, I think Wade gave him the championship DNA, taught him how to win, and, like, I think this is kind of dis- debated a lot on the sports shows, but I think it's a very clear distinction. Wade gave him the blueprint to win a championship, but in terms of what he contributed on the court and kind of where he was at in his career, he wasn't quite at his prime. He was a little bit past his prime, still an excellent player, but not quite at his prime. So, I, I mean, before this, definitely Wade was his best teammate, and Bosch was Bosch played his role, had, had some big moments with that team, but definitely a, a clear third on that team. Then with the the, the the Cavs, I mean, it was um, 
I mean, Kyrie and LeBron had some. I mean, Love was definitely the the, the odd one out on there, and the same kind of like Bosch was in uh, in the, on the Cavs. But even Love had some big moments, including guarding Curry at the end of that game seven. Uh, Kyrie hit the big the shot. Stop. Yeah, the stop. Kyrie hit the shot, and Kyrie had some huge performances. LeBron, like kind of with a huge finals averages, and like I mean, obviously without him, we wouldn't have beat the Warriors in 2016. And he's an excellent like I mean, in terms of what he brought and the pure ta- talent, he's he's probably the most talented guard I mean at his best he's one of the ta- most talented guards in, his, guards in his league but I'd put him probably his third best teammate after um, after um, Wade and I'm oh, sorry after Davis and then Wade and now finally going to Anthony Davis I mean agreed I, I didn't know t- I'd seen Anthony Davis that run against the Warriors I'd seen him like uh, with Rondo and like uh, when they played that series and I was like wow this dude is a beast and I like saw flashes of it but I felt bad for him that he also like you know he was in a market where there wasn't much else it was um, I think Boogie Cousins went down that year as well as he always does unfortunately and then uh, he like didn't quite get it done this year and then finally this year I got to watch him from end to end the whole season with a like a like a championship caliber player like LeBron and all of that and yeah AD is the most versatile player LeBron's ever played with the best big man and like I mean they kept saying it throughout their in- interviews and the way you can you can see their body language it's like there's like a big brother little brother dynamic between the two they both push each other like uh, they say they're the only ones that can really push each other to that limit that you know they know they can because they trust each other uh, to play at the highest level and push each other and LeBron said this AD said this and AD's a one hell of a player dude I mean I think I didn't know enough about him I think I mean on a defensive end he's he's a stalwart offensively his game has no flaws he's, he's, he's at a buzzer beater three in the playoffs his mid-range game is uh, impeccable he can play in the post he he's like I mean he, he can finish anything like with the wingspan and the athleticism he can finish anything thrown on the thrown off the rim to him like thrown off the t- thrown towards the rim to him he's just He's just a very complete player, and I mean, uh, as much as I'm a LeBron fan and all, like I wouldn't have been disappointed or surprised at all if he took home Finals MVP this year. I think it's, I think LeBron the last couple games kind of took took it from him, but I mean through the whole playoffs, I mean I think when AD comes to, uh, come, came out and set the tone, I mean I think we did, we didn't lose many games. It was more, I think when he had a good game, like there's no way we were losing because it's just like he sets the tone and he's like the he's he was the most important player for the Lakers in terms of running the offense and kind of getting things done so I mean he is easily the best teammate most complete teammate and the a teammate that's in his a player that's a superstar in his prime that LeBron has played with Wade was a little past his prime that's probably the main difference and I hope like in the future I mean if we ever get fortunate enough to go back to the finals and stuff I mean I'm hoping um AD takes the torch and you know like gets his himself a, an MVP. I mean, he got, I feel like he got snubbed in def, on def, for defensive player of the year this year, and maybe uh, and I hope he can could get himself a Finals MVP shortly. Yeah, I mean, I think we had no no shot at any of the awards this year because <laughs> the media clearly did not We just got snubbed <laughs> on everything. <laughs> Once again, going to Clippers, like how did Lawrence Frank win Executive <laughs> of the Year? <laughs> Dude, yeah. But no, I I, th- I think you hit the nail. But I think Wade is the best overall, like best player who like overall career whatever that that he's played with. Mm-hmm. But Wade's prime was really from 2006 to 2010, mm-hmm. and I think when Bron got there, he was like Wade was kind of 2010 2011 was maybe the last year of Wade's prime, mm-hmm. and then he started to go down. But I think AD is like definitely in his prime right now. And he's like compliments Braun better than any other teammate exactly. ever. Whether it's that that pick and roll action, there's I mean they didn't even run that many pick and rolls, but I think you know that's that's something they probably like try to like hold on to. Like that's a play that when all else fails, they know they always will have that Braun AD pick and pick and roll. 
Um, and then, man, what a defender. I mean, this guy can guard, like, the five. He can guard Jimmy Butler. He mm -hmm. can guard whoever you need, need him to. His defensive versatility is just insane. And I think that's kind of what I heard. I was hearing some people say that the Lakers are just... Um, the problem with them now is you can't play, like, the Rockets and their stupid microball stuff. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't work because... Let's be Lakers had the best small ball five probably in AD because mm -hmm. he can guard anyone. He can make threes, mid-range, anything. And then Bron's probably the best small ball four. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, when they, even when the late, and Bron said it, even when we go small, we're like, we're still big. Like mm -hmm. we play small ball, but we're like still big. And that's, that's what, I mean, that's kind of what was the winning formula for them this whole year. No, and, and credit to the, I mean, like there's a lot of question marks. I mean, the Clippers had a much more like, like everyone had the, oh, they had the most complete roster and they built it like, they had much more like, I'd say like, bigger names and like a little bit more establishment with the, the bench was looked a little like it looked a lot deeper but i mean they made they they got all the right pieces for them to i think win this i mean it's like i mean there were a lot of qu question marks some of the question marks i'll say by the media and others were rightfully so i mean we didn't know that dwight would play nearly as well as he did this year and credit to dwight for buying into <laughs> he was the a huge huge yeah, surprise yeah, yeah credit to dwight for buying into the system doing his role and you know being like kind of being a defensive anchor at times getting boards and you know like just being that hustle and I mean, accepting his role at this point in his career, and that's why he's a champion. So I mean, we didn't know we'd get that from Dwight. I don't think any of us were 100% sure we'd get that from Dwight. We we're hoping, and he gave that to us. Especially when Boogie Cousins went down so early, like in the season, even before like the regular season started. So he was a big plus for us. And then we had we had him and Javale to kind of give us some size in addition to AD. So that was a good piece there. And then I think our guard play was a little questionable, but we won this even without like you know Avery Bradley. And then obviously we mentioned. Um, I mean, my, my favorite guy. I mean, the guy who always delivers when. You need a shot in the corner. KC, <laughs> KCP not afraid of the moment. Besides uh, a couple first couple games of the season, that dude has been like, I mean, like it's been lights out. And then, I mean, uh, I've never seen someone get more Twitter slander than KCP at the beginning of the year. Man, the way he he rebounded, dude. Yeah, and then. And then yeah, now I mean, maybe well, there is one guy who's gotten as much Twitter slander later on in the year as Danny Green. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, we had the right pieces. We had uh, a decent complement of shooters, and I mean, I think the other big, the biggest piece that we had to mention, I think, in the playoffs that I think I didn't even expect, and I, I think, I mean, I, I didn't expect him to be this good, was uh, playoff Rondo, dude. That dude, I think, after uh. AD and, uh, after AD and LeBron, I think he's the third most impactful player, and it's, I don't even think it's close. Like the games, like a big moment where you need him, he was hitting threes. He he changed the pace of the game. He'd like when Rondo was just like engaged in the game and uh, like took over the pace of it like literally like it turned the series and turned some pivotal games like in every playoff series for us so I have to give credit to Rondo as well he was huge oh yeah I mean I, I listened to Jared Dudley today on the Bill Simmons pod mm -hmm. and he was just talking about exactly how Rondo's a savant like apparently he picked up that James Harden always does the step back on the third dribble. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just his tendency. Like, <laughs> who picks up stuff like that? And we always hear how Rondo's like a savant. And Braun, I remember at one point, um, said, like, he always complimented Rondo's IQ and his way to think the game. Mm -hmm. And you really, I mean, that stuff like that. And apparently in game six, the idea to pick up Jimmy Butler full court was also Rondo's idea. Mm -hmm. um, and so the dude is just like, lives in the film room, just studies so much film. And, um, He's a great addition, and, and credit to him. But, for, credit to him for his like uh, resilience, dude. I think. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. He broke his hand like twice this year. Like, I feel like the dude came back from. Two, oh yeah, yeah. Two broken he he hands. was always getting like he, 
And he, oh, I think he broke his hand last year too. He, the dude has some of the most fragile hands I've seen. Yeah, I mean, he has huge hands, but they're surprisingly fragile. Um, but yeah, no, the Rondo, like, I think he battled back from injuries. And, like, I mean, I remember he kind of, like, came on late with the bubble and kind of looked a little shaky, especially in, like, uh, early on in the bubble. But then, like, when the playoffs came around, the dude, like, like found found his form and came back. And I think that's a testament to just his hard work and, like, you know, his diligence and kind of preparing for games. So credit to Rondo. I think he's the... Him, I mean, yeah, I think the four the four players, I think, that are... I mean, I'd say the, f- the five players that I would want in the Lakers starting lineup with the game on the line would be Rondo, Caruso, KCP, AD, and Braun. That's, like, my easy five, like, bubble, bubble five. And mm-hmm. that was our starting five for game six. Yep. Um, that's who Vogel went with. Yep. Um, and, you know, I mean... What, I think we got to give a shout out to uh, Vogel, right? I mean, this oh, guy who right. is <laughs> another guy who is overlooked, um, and we all thought Tyloo was going to be the coach, who I know you didn't want. So I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm sure you were happy when Tyloo didn't become the coach. Mm-hmm. But then you know we then it was like all of a sudden, okay, like Frank Vogel is going to be the coach, and you know we knew Frank Vogel as the coach of those Pacer teams who challenged Braun. Mm-hmm. But then he went to Orlando, and he was just like, and now it just shows, you know, coaches sometimes they you need they need the players. Like if you're stuck on a shit team like Orlando, no one's gonna look good. But and yeah, and if you have um, if you have playoff P, I mean, there's like ju- so much you can do. <laughs> <laughs> but oh man, <laughs> but I think you and me, we were just both so impressed with how Vogel, mm-hmm. unlike your boy Luke Walton last year, <laughs> was mm-hmm. just always making the right adjustments, and mm-hmm. you could tell he always had his team prepared. Dude, no, the defensive, I, I mean, what won us this championship, if you watch the Lakers and you really understand what they, how they play, I mean, I think our offense is, like, I mean, dictated by AD and Braun. I mean, and Braun has, to, like, obviously he was assist leader of the year, and, I mean, pretty much, like, he got he had a career high in assists, assist, assist leader in the league. Uh, so it's kind of like they depend on AD and Bronder on their offense and the half court. I mean, definitely this playoffs. What gave us a lot of like pause and made us nervous was how it, it tends to stagnate. And wh- where we got our off- best offense from is from our defense and in the transition game. And Vogel's like defensive sets and kind of giving this TV a very strong defensive identity is what won us the championship in the end. I think it's like when we locked in defensively and really like you know like committed to that end of the floor. That's when we like would really have our go on our runs and have our best games. And that's all a credit to Vogel and his schemes and kind of getting the players to buy in and getting LeBron I think that was a big surprise for me is like you know like there's a lot of questions about whether LeBron in year 17 would be able to bring that defensive identity and I think with between Vogel and AD being there and re-energizing him and kind of the whole team kind of buying and having a few guys like you know Dwight Howard former defensive player of the year um, and you know like uh, like kind of like and, and like people who are defensive minded like Avery Bradley on the team who was, wasn't there for the bubble but earlier in the season kind of gave us a very strong defensive identity and we weren't as like obvious of a defensive stalwart as like the Clippers looked to be on paper but I think when it came down to it we were like I mean one of the best in the league and I think it took, it took us all the way to the championship. Yeah, I, I, I think credit to Vogel, and I think like AD was like set the tone from the first day. Mm-hmm. Uh, like apparently he would call out Braun in practice, which <laughs> you know a lot of people don't do. Like, and Vogel same thing in film sessions he would call out Braun when he needed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that just that was just a great job. But you know, dude, I, I can't, I can't, we can't end this pod without talking about this one topic, uh, and that's about the goat, the goat debate. <laughs> and I think only you, there's only you, me. Nick Wright, Shannon Sharp, and Kendrick Perkins on this this side. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, because unfortunately a lot of people are very strong-headed, especially a lot of the older generations mm-hmm. who will not accept that Michael Jordan is not the GOAT. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they kind of just keep stating that the six rings, six and oh, like, you know, it gets kind of old. Mm-hmm. The, the one thing that's been kind of really bothering me recently is a lot of people are saying like, you know, LeBron's going to have the overall better career mm-hmm. just based on longevity, mm-hmm. but Michael Jordan's peak is higher. But the thing is, like, judging someone's peak is, like, very subjective, mm-hmm. but if you're saying someone's going to have an overall better career, doesn't that mean that they're the better player? Uh, like, long- longevity and being available to play, as Bron said, he's never missed a single ever playoff game ever. Mm-hmm. So if you're available to play and you... You know, Bron's been lucky to play 17 years, and he wants to play more. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's part of being. I think that's a part of being in the go conversation. Like, you know, Bron didn't have the liberty to just go two years, go play baseball, rest up, and then come back and then do yep. a three beat. Like, he's been at this for so long and continuously. And sure. you know, I don't get people who say like, "Oh, he's gonna have that just based on longevity. He's gonna have the overall better career." It's like, no, that means he's the better player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a great time to bring this up again because I mean obviously this year the last dance came out when the lockdown happened I think I, I all of us including myself included learned a lot more about Michael Jordan I didn't live through Michael Jordan's era I mean I was born in 92 but I mean I didn't realistically watch him win his championships and didn't live through the Jordan era so that was that, that documentary gave me a lot more insight into what it was like at the time for Michael Jordan that Chi- and that Chicago Bulls team and how how much of a like global phenomenon and how much they changed basketball I mean at the time, I mean, I remember watching it and like literally like people were just like, especially the season shut down and all that. It was just like, I was just like in a very like, oh, come on. It's like, there's like everyone was just like burying LeBron. Like it's over. It's over. It's like there's no no chance. <laughs> um, to answer your question about the GOAT debate, I mean, obviously I've been having this for years. And I mean, I, even as a huge LeBron fan, I mean, I don't think we'll ever have a clear answer to this. And I, I, I understand why people, after watching The Last Dance and as a objective, I'm trying to be an objective basketball fan. I mean, Jordan did tremendous things for the game. And I mean, he rightfully deserves this to be cemented as the greatest of all time potentially but the, the gap is really like I mean it's it's not a closed and shut case and it's kind of like it's an, it's a very subjective thing and I think Jordan it's like Jordan the things are like yeah he went 6-0 and in the finals he has like all the accolades and literally he's, he lo- he's looked perfect but I mean, uh, in, especially in the finals, but I mean, he's had like, you know, he has a, he, he had Scottie Pippen, which in the documentary, I learned how much more like, he wasn't just the second best player in the team, but arguably the second best player in the NBA at the time. So that's one big thing. And he's had, he had the greatest coach of all time in Phil Jackson, which you've seen with uh, your, your, your Lakers squads before. Um, LeBron is kind of, LeBron has a completely different, uh, his resume for the GOAT case is completely different from Jordan's. Jordan's is like, when I get to the biggest stage, it's over and I'll close, like, it's like there's not a question that anyone's going to kind of take take us out when we're on top. But there's like, yeah, exactly, there's not the same longevity. And the biggest thing for LeBron that I think what this championship gives is kind of like, it's already kind of been shown in the past, but now even in year 17, it shows that, like, LeBron, when he comes into a franchise by two in two years he changes the, the the culture of the franchise from wherever they were maybe a lottery team maybe a team that hasn't seen the playoffs in a while completely kind of erases this that franchise's like uh you know negative negative tendencies like bad front office completely overrides it with his own with his own um with his own like uh championship dna his own culture which some people like some people a lot of people hate and uh transforms them by year two to become a championship team and he's shown that with three different franchises three different times in the east and the western conference and i don't i don't think i mean obviously the, there's no nobody has been to finals mvp on three different teams and that's lebron's legacy basically 
I don't think one man, one guy has ever had as much impact on a franchise as LeBron James has ever had in any sport. And I think some of the analysts like our Nick Wrights and people have said that, but I think that's true. And I think Michael Jordan was like an ultimate winner, but I don't like we will never like he didn't go do much on the Wizards. Obviously, that was the tail end of his career. And it's not fair to say that, you know, at that point in his career, he, whether he was the same Michael Jordan, but no one has like kind of kept this sustained peak for this long and kind of taken taken his uh, abilities from team to team and t- changed every single one of them into a championship team with his imprint on the game. And I think that's something that I, like even my my other my uh, one of my other favorite players, my, Tom Brady, he hasn't done that. I don't know. I doubt he'll do that on the Bucks. LeBron James' unique greatness is that you know he. He pretty much is the most consistent player to keep his body right coming in year after year. Well, you know what you're getting with LeBron James and you you automatically go like go to a championship caliber team with him on your team and I don't if that isn't like gr- greatness and what you want in a basketball player and what you want in your franchise, I don't know what is. And I mean and he's going to continue his assault on the record books. He's already climbed up. He's probably going to end up with most of the most of the like Top record. I don't. I don't know if he'll take every single one. I, I, he probably will take points. He'll probably take a lot of these, and he's already taken most of the playoff and finals ones. If he makes another finals, like the other ones, will all be untouchable. Ten finals, four, uh, four, uh, four final finals wins, four finals MVPs, four MVPs. I think in terms of the going from the outside perspective of whether other people view him as a goat, in terms of whether this championship changes that, I don't think it necessarily changes anything in terms of that i think people who already viewed him as the goat or like one of the greatest of all time would, would kind of it would solidify his case but people who didn't view him in that light i don't think this would have moved him in and i think the only thing that'll probably move not that i'm saying that he has to get this and i don't think he needs to i think he's proven more than enough if he gets if he goes six and six or something and he wins two more with the lakers then it's gonna be very hard to then the the narrow gap is closed in my opinion i don't think you can ever say there's nothing to say that making it to 12 finals and winning six rings is worse than winning just six rings straight up i don't think you can make that argument so the only argument you can make is against lebron's case is the 2011 finals and is and I, that's the only finals that i feel like he had a chance he should have won and didn't every other finals i mean he was against a overmatched team and you know he won again he i wanted to remind people of like i mean i mentioned it before it's like he took out uh, a team with three future MVPs in OKC. I mean, Harden wasn't the same Harden, but he kind of ended a dynasty before it started. He took out a dynastic Spurs team. He took out a 73-9 uh, dynastic Warriors team uh, coming back from 3-1. And now he's won, uh, He's delivered in a, in a year that is one of the hardest to win a championship with a four-month layover, unprecedented COVID, COVID circumstances, the death of Kobe Bryant, and uh, in year 17. So, I mean, the guy's resume is like, I mean, it's, it's 1A and 1B with... LeBron, Jordan, Jordan, LeBron. I don't think you can really argue. It's, it's a matter of personal preference who you prefer and what's your what's your definition of greatness. But they're both right there, and I wouldn't I wouldn't fault you for saying either. But by saying it's not close, it's it, by saying it's not close is, is a lie, and I think it's it's pretty much right. They're both right there. Yeah, and I think I've talked to you about this. The argument about the who wins more, who's won more championships, kind of that's that should be one of the criteria, but not the only criteria. Because if not, why are we all saying that Bill Russell is the greatest player ever? <laughs> um, like, right? I mean, if that's a criteria, mm-hmm. or no, let's, let's no one even um, talks about Kareem. Like, mm-hmm. Kareem also won six championships. Kareem actually won six MVPs. That's more than Jordan. Um, so he's won just as many championships, um, more MVPs. Obviously, not as many Finals MVPs, and he's the all-time leading scorer. So that seems pretty convincing to me that Kareem should be uh, the greatest player of all time. But no one ever mentions him. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's just because the way they watch Jordan, they realize, hey, he's a better player. And I think that's what people have to do with Braun too. It's the same thing with Kobe and Jordan. It's like there's a style of play and like a level of like, you know, like the way they win games and the like the hero. There's like a level of her- like heroics with those guys. I mean, not that there isn't LeBron. LeBron is a combination of like, you know, there are some some hero, plenty of heroics, but there's also like a like Kareem. He always gets left out of the goat debate because of this of his skyhook shot and there was like an inevit- inevitability in his game and it wasn't as exciting to watch and it didn't pop off the page and you know he wasn't a culture like and the big thing for, I took away from the last dance as well as like it was a level of like uh, Jordan was a cultural phenomenon and I think he elevated basketball stature in the world to a different level and when you watched him real time especially like the way he won games and kind of uh, like the persona and like the larger than life uh, persona of the those Chicago Bulls that's what People, people, the way they felt—it's like almost like a attack on their like nostalgia and their childhood, or like the the way they viewed basketball. And I think it's it's almost like a mental thing. It's not, it's not even like so. It's not even like a one is better than the other on paper kind of thing. But it's like if you break down the basketball. I think you can argue that LeBron and Kareem are right in that discussion. I, I'm not gonna ever say that. Even as a huge LeBron fan, I'm not gonna ever say that LeBron is objectively better than Jordan because I mean I, I get it I like Michael Jordan all of us like know Michael Jordan and what, what he brings what, what he brought to the game and how great he is but it's like it's a very like nuanced discussion it's like very close I think um, I think that the things will change though I mean when we're when we're when our hair is starting to gray and we're in 20 like Nishant keeps mentioning all the time it's like I can't wait for this documentary in 20 years it's like when LeBron has his documentary in 20 30 years um, and we get, and our generation looks back on living through LeBron. I think the MJ might be pushed back a little bit more, and there's going to be much more people that call LeBron the goat. Like especially among our children or our grandchildren, I think that hopefully it evolves in that direction. And um, things are just so uh, different now in the era of social media. But I think LeBron's career will be looked on very favorably, and I don't see any reason for him to like you know. I think many more people will start calling him the goat, especially when this age of analysts and this like the, the Jordan era of analysts all fade out, and our uh, like uh, people more our age and the next generation of analysts and stuff come on. A lot more people will call LeBron the goat. Yeah, it's always going to be a rotating room, like you said. Right now, we just most of the analysts are people who work from the Jordan era, mm-hmm. but you know, in ten years, when a lot of them will be from the LeBron era, the conversation may change. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and then some other players going to be coming up at that time, sure. and you know the, it'll always be ongoing. That's just it's just how it works. <laughs> and, the, and the last thing I want to mention, and one of the last things is just um, I mean the beautiful thing about this is like dude, like I mean Jordan's been long long done. LeBron like there's still uh, he's he still wants to play another three four years. So like there's still so much like ba- like as he showed as he showed the world this year and he put the world on notice. There's still so much more basketball for LeBron left. That's like he's accomplished more than like most people have in their careers, but he still seems he could still have like. A couple more years and it's like i think uh as nick wright said and i mean it's not out of the, the the chase for six isn't out of it even if like one more ring is not out of the question two is a little bit is a stretch but not not out of the question so there's still there's still a lot of basketball left to be played for lebron james i think the um the some people we may never win over people on the debate necessarily but i mean i think st- i still think the gap is right is, it's like pretty much right there the gap is minuscule and there's still plenty of basketball left to be played Last question I want to leave you with is, I mean, I, I know we're going to bask in this. We have a long uh, off-season ahead. Uh, we can enjoy this for a long time and call ourselves defending champs for a long time. But what moves do you think we need to make in the... Uh, who's going to stay? Uh, who's going to leave? And what moves do you think we need to make in the off-season to kind of maintain our... Uh, stay on top of the mountain? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. I just... I, I don't... like. I mean, I have some ideas, but like like you said, I just want to enjoy this. <laughs> I definitely want to. So I know KCP has a player option. I really hope he opts in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Rondo has a player option. I want him back. Uh, Avery Bradley has a player option. I definitely would like him back as well. Uh, and then I think JaVale McGee has a player option. You know, I don't know if we need him as much, but he's a he's a low cost player. You know, mm-hmm. and AD doesn't like playing the five during the regular season, so I wouldn't mind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the other guys. Let's, I mean, Marquise Morris played a huge role. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if he's not too expensive, I'd le- definitely like to bring it back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what this team needs is like another wing. And my That's ideal exciting. target, like free agent target, is Jeremy Grant. Mm-hmm. Uh, would love it if we get him. Uh, we only have like the mid-level exception, which is about ten million a year. Mm-hmm. Whether he might get larger offers, and he's not like a veteran who would mm-hmm. take like a pay cut to like ring chase. Mm-hmm. So, but I think he would be great on this team. Wonderful. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we just need like another scoring wing. Um, I think our roster is a little definitely on the older side, so I think there might be a decent amount of turnaround. But I mean, I think as long as we keep the core, I agree. I mean, I think if we keep the if we keep those the st- our final starting five, and then and kind of uh, build and then maybe Javale build around that kind of similar principles, but just maybe like making our roster a little bit younger and adding a little bit of uh, like a like a a ball handler who can score on their own a little bit they're getting that kind of like six like that kind of punch a sixth man kind of guy that kind of punch would be really helpful but i mean we can worry about that later and we can just enjoy this for now yeah. but i think it's i just mean i think we you and me already have st- talked about some fake trades like Kuz, danny green and a first round pick for Dinwiddie. Yeah. <laughs> i think there's good i think there is going to be a lot of turnaround with this roster though. i feel like this was this this roster did its job and got us got us the chip but i think to stay on top i think we need to make some changes but i mean i trust rob Palinka, genie bus and you know lebron to make the right decisions and um, don't you know, forget Rich Paul. Rich Paul, dude. Yeah, <laughs> Rich Paul literally, like, yeah, he's his own. He, it's amazing what that guy does. So, and obviously we need to resign AD, which I think we're fine. I think he's just kind of being, uh, being extra savvy, doing what Rich Paul told him. But we'll we'll get AD back. He, we'll, he swapped. Yep, mm-hmm. the clutch sports method. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's amazing, man. Yeah, we've won. A, we're we're world champions again. Uh, LeBron has continued to maintain his dominance. The Lakers are back on the mountaintop. Um, so, some people are really happy about it. Some are not. But um, I think. We made, this is, I think the league is going to be very competitive when it comes back. We made the it was a it was a tough run, but as I think this is a good it was a, like this is a window for us that we made use of. We didn't like you know squander this window, so I think it was it's great that we got it done and we'll kind of soak this in and uh, see when basketball comes back, which may be a while. Looks like they say they're saying December 2021 versus like January 2022. So I mean we'll see. The league is going to look very different then, and but at least we'll get to call ourselves defending champs for a long time. <laughs> Yeah, man. Like, you never know how long these windows last, and I'm glad we took advantage of it because obviously the next time the Warriors are going to have their players back, Nets will have their players back. Mm-hmm. Um, you just never know. Like, I feel like we got some good breaks this time, and I'm glad we got this championship. Exactly. Um, but, man, this is this is one of the more satisfying pods I've ever done, dude. <laughs> exactly. But, no, this uh, is just like we'll kind of our. On- we need to take. It's been a long, long, long season. We deserved a like nice little victory lap, a little bit of stomping on the Clippers, a little bit on the way because they they earned I, that. I, I think basically everyone everyone just got to hear our normal text conversations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you didn't, yeah, the guys in our uh, text group, yeah, if you wanted to know what goes on on the back end, you got to hear it now. But all right, OJ, good talking to you, and uh, I guess we'll right. we'll leave it at that, and uh, we'll try to catch up closer to when the next season starts. And you know, um, yeah, we'll take it, enjoy this, soak this in, and uh, good talk to you, buddy. Yep, sounds good, dude. All right, guys. See you guys next time.